Hi there, happy Tuesday, or whatever day you're listening to this. I'm Dave Butler. I'm Stephen Tager. This is the Revival Podcast. I said happy Tuesday because these release every Tuesday. It's the day of double blessings, and I wish upon you a double blessing. Um, Jack and Jenny both sneeze twice in a row, you know? How some people sneeze once and some people sneeze two in a is row. Is that a thing, really? Oh, yeah, for sure. Really? Oh, yeah. They'll sneeze and then I bless them for their second sneeze before they even sneeze because I know it's coming. Like they just have a, I think people are typically onesers or twosers <laughs> or threesers or whatever, you know, <laughs> in sneezing. How many times do you sneeze? I think just once. Oh, yeah. Some people just consistently are two or three or whatever. Can you so, get that fixed? No, no, no. Well, you don't want to. Don't you love the feeling of sneezing? <laughs> Why would you want to get that fixed? That's so awesome. So today is like a double sneeze for you. It's a double blessing. That's what it is every Tuesday. Um, this is a podcast where we go over patterns of faith, walking a life of faith, and just how reviving that can be, how life-filled that can be. And we use general conference talks every single week to do that. And so we're excited to talk about this all together today. But we're starting with... We're going to start with the question Stefan asked me yesterday because it should just be documented. What question? About The Chosen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. P.S. Yeah, if yeah. you haven't watched The Chosen, uh, you're uninvited from the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Turn it off now. <laughs> um, you need to. You need to pause and go watch season one and two and three. Then you can come back for the remainder of this episode. But Okay, Dave, ready? Ready. I interrupted you. Sorry. I missed. Okay. I interrupted you yesterday and last week. What's I mean, your favorite chosen scene? Impossible. <laughs> That's impossible. Okay, let me do an easier one. What's your favorite child? Yeah, of my own children? Yeah. I'm just, be, oh. <laughs> I was about to answer. <laughs> Way to stop me. Favorite chosen scene? Oh. Or one of them. Okay. I want to say a few. And we have to be quick because okay, okay, we have, okay, okay, we have okay, a tendency okay, okay. You know, to keep talking. Oh, okay. We want to talk so much about stories of Jesus. Let's <laughs> get on to something else. Um all right, listen. The when he talks to Nathaniel, remember after Season the two. yeah, and the fig tree, mm. that conversation. Because I love John one so much, and I that story I adore. Yeah, when he just like tells him, "I saw you under the fig tree." Yeah, and we're just like, oh, that I was anticipating with all my spirit, and then it happened and came, and I just, and then I have to say this one too, that season one, episode one where he quotes Mary, her favorite verse from her childhood. Like that's another fig tree moment, mm. you know, where he's just like, I, I've, I've been with you for a long time. I know. Oh, it's awesome. She's walking away and he's like, Mary of Magdala. And you're like, that music comes and you're like, Oh my gosh, I love Jesus so much. So that, uh, there's so many, I can't even, I'm starting to think of more and more, but I'm going to stop at those two. Yeah. And the conversation with Nicodemus. But <laughs> what do you want to say? Uh, one of my favorite ones is the Matthew scene. And when he says, Matthew, son of Alphaeus, follow me. Mm. And it's really well done acting. The dialogue is really believable. And it really... And he's so shocked. He's so shocked yeah. that he would pick him. And everyone's shocked. <laughs> That's why I love it so much. You know when Peter's like him, and someone will be like, you? <laughs> you know, it's like, look, I just love it. Jesus takes everybody. It's so I, awesome. I actually just will watch that scene just by itself 
you know, on YouTube. I just love it. Oh, do you know what scene I watch by myself? Which one? Sorry. This is my fourth favorite. But <laughs> of the, you know, not I'm not putting him in order, but when he is with Matthew and goes through the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes yeah. at the end of season two, and it's flashbacks of all the disciples, like... I, it gets me every time. Like I am weepy when I watch it, and then I take it back and watch it again. <laughs> so good. Uh, the reason why I like that Matthew one is uh, it's sort of this moment of like love and call and risk all at once. <sighs> like deep acceptance for Matthew. Yeah, like, I'm chosen you. And oh, and by the way, Matthew, you've got to give up all the stuff of this world, right, and follow me. And it's like a call to discipleship that grows out of love. It just captures a lot of what Christianity is about. and um, Yeah, it's anything but two-dimensional. Right. 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 There's something really cool about being able to depict scenes from a black and white 2D Bible, you know, and show like a human emotion and show conflict that's certainly between the lines of Scripture, Mm -hmm. but that, you know, wasn't written in there necessarily. And just to see like, oh... Just, man, for you to add risk into discipleship is like, I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so it's so powerful. Other one, Usede, is that how you say Usede? Well, you have a problem <laughs> with pronouncing people's names. Maybe you should. Sister Cordon last week and now. How do you say it? Useda. Okay. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that might be wrong. You guys don't DM me if it, if it is. Useda. Listen, we should just say this right now about this talk. Saturday after Saturday evening session. So like probably the least watched session. Let's just be honest, right? Saturday evening is hard. So good thing you're listening to these podcasts so you can get the stuff you missed. <laughs> but um, you have to listen to this one. Like you just have to play it in your car as you drive. Like his... Some people's were better to read than listen. Like Elder Worthlands, remember back in the day? Yeah, his were yeah. so good to read but hard to listen to. Um but this one, oh, just the way he speaks, you're just like, I just love it. I love it. You have to listen to this one. It's your challenge of the week. So the talk is Lord Jesus Christ teaches us to minister. And he talks about how Jesus is the good shepherd. Fun fact, in the book of John, John uh, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know the name of my sheep. Mm. And Jesus is constantly calling people by name. In fact, at the garden tomb scene, um, well, the yeah, the tomb scene in, in John at the in, during the resurrection or after the resurrection, he says Mary, and that's when she recognizes Jesus for who he is. Is once he says her name, right? But he starts off. And he Wait, about, I and I love that so much. Why don't you say something more about that? Because I've always loved that that she doesn't recognize him, but she does. But you're you're saying John, it's being tied back to him. Saying I know them by name, right? And I wish I was smart enough to know that myself. I just read that in a commentary from a, oh, from a biblical awesome. scholar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, if if you read the book of John, just looking for how he calls people by name, mm. it's, it's a really it's really mm. powerful to just see the few stories where it's that a happens. Fun study. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he quotes President Nelson after talking about the Good Shepherd, and he says, "Oh, and not just the Good Shepherd, because he talks about like the Greek of that word good also means beautiful and magnificent and oh." so good, especially when he says it. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful shepherd, the magnificent shepherd, right? right. He, quoting President Nelson, he says, the good shepherd lovingly cares for all sheep of his fold and we are his true under shepherds. Our privilege is to bear his love and to add our own love to friends and neighbors. 
feeding, tending, and nurturing them as the Savior would have us do. Then he quotes him again, and he says, A hallmark of the Lord's true and living church will always be an organized, directed effort to minister to individual children of God and their families. Because it is his church as we as his servants will minister to the one just as he did. We will minister in his name, with his power and authority, and with his loving kindness. Mm. That line where he just said, first of all, a privilege to bear his love, right? To be, you know, almost like a couple of weeks ago when we talked about that, the idea of being invited into the story and into the cause of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which is to bear his love to the world, like take it, to take the rescue of Jesus, take the love of Jesus, take the grace of of God to other people, like hand deliver it. And when you do it, put your bow on it, you know, add your own love for it. And then right there, he's like, and when you, because it's his church, you're being called to do it the way he would, right? Disciples are apprentices, right? Of Jesus. And he's like, let me teach you and show you. He says, come follow me, walk, watch closely, the way I treat people, the kind of conversations that I have with people, like learn how to do this. Yeah, I love that. In fact, let me let me ask you this, and um, this is not a setup. I'm ge- I'm genuinely curious about what you think about this. What's the difference between just being nice and loving like Jesus? Because sometimes I'm afraid that the way it's explained, people think, oh, just be a nice, kind person, and I'm on. A, I'm like, mm, we're talking about a different kind of love here. You know, yeah, and I would say that's, I, I would say it's part of it, right? Sure, sure. Like, kindness is, kindness a part of is it, yeah. like, it just is, wouldn't be the full picture, right? Of it. And I guess it just depend, depends on how you want to define like being nice and, and being kind. But there's a kind of love here that's, uh, I think, a sacrificial love, right? Right. Where I'm actually willing to lay down my interests, I'm willing to lay down my, my life. Right, in order for one day at a time, you know, for you, um, and I think that would be a difference. Like when sometimes when someone says nice, I think like, oh, that just means polite, mm-hmm. you know. But it doesn't mean that I'm gonna. It takes a like I can be nice to somebody in line at Disneyland, right? Right, and just be oh, go ahead, go ahead with me, you know. And that's like a you know, but it requires an investment, like this kind of like. Jesus kind of love. The reason it has to happen one-on-one is because I can take a microphone to a hundred people and just be like, you guys are the coolest. You guys are the greatest. And I, and, and I love you all, you know, and everyone will feel good about themselves to some degree, sure, but not the way they would if I were to invest in them one-on-one. Like it just to really love someone the way that Jesus taught us to love people you just, I don't really think you can do that with everybody. You can't. Right. It, it, like, you don't have enough time. You don't have enough, like, resources, emotional resources to do that. It requires a one on one relationship. It's why it's, it's why he calls us, I think, in, in, in that one on one way. It's because you just can't do it in a group setting. Like, it's just, right. you can be loving, you can be Christ like to a group, but. Man, what it takes is, when you watched it, Jesus like surely had 
I mean, I think you see it best with Peter, actually, through the New Testament. He, you seem to get more stories of their one-on-one -on -one conversations and encounters with each other where you get a, a better picture of, oh, okay, I see. Like, yeah. there's more than just what's written there, you know, right. in their relationship with each other. Anyways, that was a really long answer, but it was a good one. I think, it was good. I, yeah. I, I just, I don't think I've ever thought that before. It's like, we talk about like one-on-one -on -one, it's like, oh, that's because it actually requires um, a different kind, different kinds of interactions yeah. that you can't have in a group setting. Yeah. One of the, one of the ways I might separate Christian love from just kindness and some Christians when they, or a lot of people, when they've defined the word agape love in the, in the New Testament. That's the Greek word for love in the right. New Testament. And they'll, they'll include like a self-sacrificial element in that, you know, um, which obviously I totally agree with and think that that's true. Uh, but going back to our chosen examples, which are just fun depictions of what's already there in the text, what's already there in the New Testament, is sort of this kind of, it's risky, and not in the sense it's unwise, but also irrational, not in the sense that it's uh, dumb or stupid or anything, but irrational in the sense of it, it like supersedes what seems to be how the world would make sense of relationships it right. goes it's it's much better and far beyond that and and part of like the scandal of christianity is is just the radical love of christ he's going to point to some stories i really illustrate this but a few days ago you you said something about the scandal of christianity you quoted a friend oh yeah what I, what was that again my friend Nish's husband eric he said this once the scandal of christianity is um not who's excluded from Christianity, but who's included. Mm. Like the most scandalous part are the people who are included. Yeah. It should actually shock you. Like it should make you, um, is it in here where he says some, where there's something along those lines, man? Oh, maybe it's just like a, the reading of the parables that he gives because he gives the three parables, right? From Luke 15, the best chapter in all of scripture. There's three stories in that one. And it's, Elder Uzeda points out that the three, actually he calls a parable, not three parables. He was just like, they're all teaching the same lesson. Hmm. He says, he points out that it's singular and not plural. A hundred sheep, 10 coins, and two sons. And then he says this, and the key number in each of these stories, however, is the number one. And that's one of the points it seems like Jesus is trying to make in these stories. But another thing that you see in all of these stories is they're all irrational. Every single one of them are like, people don't act like that is what you think when you see it. He's like, ask that first one. If you had a hundred sheep and you lost one, he says, who, would, who wouldn't go out into the wilderness until you found that one? And then Elder say that actually like points out that word until. He's like, until, 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 because it's a key word in there. Because like, you don't search for them until you're tired. You don't search for them until you're bored. You don't search for them until you're hungry. You search for them until you find them. And like you start doing the math and you're like, how many sheep do I have? And you're like, a hundred. And I lost how many? One. So I'm at 99%. Bye. Right? I'm not going out into the woods until I find it. I'm just not going to do it. That's, that's dumb. That's bad business. Right? It's a waste of time. That's like now working for a nickel an hour, you know, and I'm not going to do it. And it's just like, he talks about it as like, as it's, it's so natural. And then you find the sheep in the woods and it's probably wet. And so you have to put a, and you put on your shoulders dripping down your neck, <laughs> nasty, like, and take it home and you throw a party for a sheep. 
And you're just like, it's a sheep. You know what I'm saying? Like, who throws a party <laughs> for a sheep? <laughs> you know? And it's like, he's the idiot who walked off in the first place. You know? It's like, you don't get a party. You get a paddling. You know? is what you should get. And then it gets worse because it goes to coins. You know? And it's like, who looks all over for one coin? I want to say to that lady every time, go to work. Like, why are you spending all day looking for a coin? Go earn another one. Like, the way she acts toward that coin is irrational. The way that guy acts toward that sheep is irrational. And then the second lady throws a party for the coin. That's just absurd. You know? Like, you could you imagine you get an inv- invite in the mail from her? <laughs> Come to my party. It's like, what's it for? I lost my coin. <laughs> like, I found my coin. And you're like... Home girl, I could have given you another coin, but you're like that. At the end of it, you think to yourself, like you, the accountant would have disagreed with her. It's like, ma'am, this doesn't actually make sense on paper. The guy's business manager, the sheep man's business manager, this doesn't make sense. And then the story of the father and the sons, like you're just like, no, no, you you shouldn't like you don't treat people like that. That's countercultural. How you treat people, and all three of them show like. The hallmark of Christianity is irrational kind of love outside the lines. It should be a little scandalous. It should make you think to yourself that they shouldn't be included. You shouldn't love them that big. And, and, yet, and yet Jesus does. And that's what he calls Matthew or any of us into to like love in that way. Like, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, I just think if people aren't people... I swear there's a line in here and I'm not just making it up about the fact that like, I think people ought to be a little bit surprised by the level that you love people. Hmm. Like it ought to like, it it ought to shock people a little bit. Yeah. And then, you know, I think that's how you would, that would be a good measuring (laughs) stick. You know, it's just like, whoa, it should cause like a little bit of like, what? Right. You know? Yeah. I love that. And and speaking of, of ministering to the one and what you're talking about, Dave, this irrational love. Uh, he says, you never say what a foolish sheep or after all, I don't really need that coin or what a rebellious son he is. If you and I have with us the pure love of Christ, we as the man in the story of the lost sheep will leave the 99 and go after that, which is lost until, until, until we find it. Or as the woman in the story of the lost coin, we will light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently, diligently, till, till, till we find it. Mm. If we have with us the pure love of Christ, we will follow the example of the father and the story of the prodigal son, who when the son was, quote, was yet a great way off, saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Yeah. Just those scriptural examples of that irrational, overflowing abundance of grace and and what a huge blessing uh, it is when those people come into our lives. There's, um, as I've said before on the podcast, one of my favorite books is Bonds That Make Us Free by Terry Warner and his work on self-deception. Mm. There's a few things that w- wakes us up out of ourselves, out of the, the lies and the blame that we tell ourselves, then coming in contact with those kinds of humans. They show us like, wow, I can be like this too. Right, the kinds of people who are just irrational. What do you mean, who? The kinds of humans. What do you when you say that? Who do you? Well, like I, I think of. Uh, I have a friend, and it's a really complicated situation, and I should be sensitive, but because of where, um, uh, a, a certain 
a young person was in their life and their situation. He actually started, him and his wife started taking care of this kid, kind of watching over them. And then eventually he adopted him. They were sealed to, this, this boy was sealed to this couple in the temple. I mean, it, it's like, and, it, and the best part, of, this radical showing of love to this young person. Oh, okay, that's what you're saying. Like those kind of people. Those like kind the of people, people who love right. irrationally and irrationally, radically. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the best part about it was it wasn't, it wasn't like he didn't light off fireworks. He just, it was just overflowing hmm. from his very nature, right? He's one of my closest friends, actually. He's, and uh, he just, I mean, he's like Jean Valjean level kind of radical. <laughs> I'm just going to take you in yeah. and adopt you. And and it just wasn't a thing. Yeah. Right. Those are the kinds of people that just set us free from our own self-deception. You yeah. Know? And almost like light something inside you. I, I feel like Jenny's family as was always like that. I remember getting married and going to like a, um, it was like a family reunion camping trip or something like that. And around the fire, they were, they wanted to play Esplan family trivia. And I was like, Oh my land. <laughs> like, what? Who came up with this game? You know, but whatever. And they started going around and someone was just like, okay, okay, okay. Name the number of people that lived at our house that were not, birth children of mom and dad talking about Jenny's grandparents and they legit like the name the list just went on and on and on and they were the best names too because they spent so much time in Hawaii so there were a lot of their like Polynesian friends nicknames where they were like Auntie Pinky and like oh yeah what about Soppy when she lived there and like they just like kept like they kept listing like all of these names like again and again and again and it carried on like I just feel like I would start going to like Thanksgiving dinner at Jenny's house. And like every year there was some new person who came. Hmm. Like I remember when your uncle brought a homeless man, like off the streets to Thanksgiving dinner. Like I walked in and you know, it was just like, Hey, who's this? And he's just like, Oh, this is Jeff or whatever. And I was like, Oh, and then later on I was like, you guys friends? He's like, no, nah, I actually just found him. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm just like, Oh my goodness gracious. But the crazy thing is, is like, I left that campfire. I left that Thanksgiving and I thought, and it lit up a love in me and it lit a fire in me. And I just think that's, that's how Jesus won people over is with irrational, radical love. Yeah. You know, he just like that. It was his method. One person at a time, he just like, it left people thinking like, I'm, I don't, you know, it just put, takes all your guards down, I guess, when somebody loves on that level. Yeah, it's the mark of a, of someone who's really let the cross sink in. Yeah, it's that radical love. And yeah, in fact, this is one of the sides of the prophet Joseph. I wish people saw more. We have a tendency to talk a lot about his miracles, revelations, and we should, and we, those need to be emphasized. But there's a radical, loving, sacrificial side of Joseph that was also just very welcoming to others. And you can find these stories in his life of just saying, "Oh, please stay with us," or "Let me take care of this," or whatever. And that's just the sign of a true prophet, a true disciple, of someone who really knows Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. And what you said, I think, is the key and so important that um, when a person understands what happened on the cross, that they were being rescued, that's the most irrational display of love that's ever happened in the history of the world, right? Just the, to the most, the greatest level of sacrifice to the least deserving person. And that's, that's me. That's me. And I see how deeply and how widely he loved someone like me. 
like Amazing Grace says, you know, or like I, that song, what's that song that we have in our church? I stand all amazed yeah. at the love Jesus offers me. And I'm just like, why are you still standing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, did that not like knock you back when you learned just how ama- you should be amazed by the level of grace? You should be like shocked by the amount that he loved you. You, you, you ought to like say the, the scandal. No, 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 no. You shouldn't do something that big for me. But when that sinks in, like then it's reflected outward in that same radical, irrational way. That's right. And, and then we can join with Elder Yuseta when he says, the good shepherd, the beautiful shepherd, the magnificent shepherd, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Those, those become attributes that we can honestly say, yeah, that's how I feel about it. That's how I yeah. feel about it. Oh, it's so good. I have a million more things to say about this, but... We're done for today. See you next week.